0: Episode 100, Interviewing Kayla Levin, Part 1.
1: Welcome to the First Year Married Podcast, where we get real about building the marriage of your dreams. I'm marriage coach Kayla Levin, and I take newly married and engaged women from anxious and insecure to confident and connected through practical tips, real-life inspiration, and more than a little self-awareness along the way.
0: This is an episode I have been very excited for. I've been preparing and hoping that Kayla would allow me to record for episode 100, and she's agreed. This is the husband. And I, over the next two weeks, will be releasing to you an interview with Kayla uh, about her experiences with using the work that she's brought to all of you through the podcast and through working with her directly. And we'll just jump right into it. Are you nervous? I, should I, I be nervous? I'm
1: getting kind of nervous now. No, you Why shouldn't should I be. I? No,
0: just because I'm in charge of this podcast.
1: I made one business. I'll just make another if <laughs> you destroy it. <laughs>
0: Amazing. Okay, so this week, I decided to do a podcast takeover. And I don't know why you agreed to it. It's really against <laughs> against your character. But you did.
1: I'm learning it, to relax in my old age. Yeah.
0: And I also asked like 10 weeks ago to prepare you for it. So like I think,
1: every day for 10 weeks.
0: Anyway, the goal of this for me was that this is your 100th episode, and I feel like we've given the world tremendous access to some really amazing tools and a lot of the things that you brought to our marriage and we together learned about being married, but also being people that you bring to the business, you bring to parenting, you bring to a lot of different areas of life that are incredible, incredible things. One thing that I didn't hear because you don't like to talk about it is your own stuff and what these tools and what this approach to life has done for you personally. So I really wanted people to hear that because I've listened and edited every single one of these episodes and I felt like that was missing. And I think it's an amazing opportunity with the 100th episode to get you to dig into it against your free will.
1: So you t- taking over is really the only way to get that is That is 100% Yes. <gasps> okay, great.
0: Uh, so what I want to do I want to go back. You, you did mention this early in the podcast, but when we first got married, we listened in particular. There's Rabbi shear
1: Yeah.
0: on Simple to Remember. Uh,
1: Simple to Remember.com.
0: And Rabbi Tatz is two marriage serum. That's part of a three-part series. Uh, and, and really the first two are the most relevant for the most part. Uh, so they've posted them there. And I feel like that was the beginning of everything. Mm-hmm. So can you tell a little bit about learning about marriage for the first time when you realized that you needed, you wanted more.
1: Yeah. So I can say like, I think the main thing that I needed to hear at that time. So I'm not going to say this is the main thing of what Rabbi Tats shares. I think everyone should go and listen to it multiple times if they haven't already. But the main thing that I took away was that the Torah views a new, husband and wife as a incomplete, unmade, not, not an incomplete marriage exactly, but like, like I talk about, like your marriage as a baby, like it's not strong yet. It's the opposite of this idea of if you meet your soulmate, then you go off into the, the rainbow or whatever, and you live happily ever after, because if you met the right person, then everything should go well. Obviously I wouldn't have logically articulated that. Because we all sort of know that that's a fantasy, but then we still get really concerned when we aren't feeling happy feelings as a newlywed. And I think for different reasons, like, I guess for me, it was much more about fear about myself and my ability. For a lot of my clients, it's, it's, it's worries about him. Like it's, I see both. And so I think that the main thing that I took away from Rabbi Tetz was that there's a whole framework called Shana Rishona and there's specific things that need to be accomplished during that time to build a healthy relationship, to build the foundation for a marriage. And then I think he says that today it takes ten years, right? So we just graduated, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and um, a lot of people are still in. So yeah, I would say that's the main thing that I took away. What about you? Are you? Am I allowed to ask you a question?
0: I guess so. What did I take away? <laughs> Apparently.
1: From?
0: Yeah, I think it it gave the perspective that everybody naturally would go into marriage and just, it would be a train wreck that like naturally the things that we expect. And we all think this is something actually I've, I've heard. I don't get to hear much about anything that you talk about with your clients. Some of the clients have, have sent us things that, or I've heard it on the podcast, you know, they thought they were set and they were going to be fine because they had like an amazing rabbi or they had amazing classes before they got married. And then it turns out that like they get in their first fight and they're like, whoa, this is not what I expected. Mm -hmm. That's sort of the way the system is built is that really there's no better place to grow than in your marriage. And if you don't realize that that friction and those challenges are the opportunity to grow, then you'll miss the boat and think Mm -hmm. that something's wrong. But really, it's not wrong. And that actually leads to the second thing. See what I did there? Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing that I really, for the, most of this podcast, want to focus on is the fact that I think what that did for us is it turned on a light. And that light was that negative experiences and, and and things that I would call bad often are the medium, the best medium for growth and amazing things to be brought into our life. I experienced that with you in particular early in marriage when we had challenges like
1: one. internal and external
0: internal and external yeah right number one the fish example the
1: fish
0: Do you remember the first time you tried to make fish oh god
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so
1: i was thinking like did we have a pet fish i don't remember that
0: <laughs> no yeah fr- this is like yeah, what seemingly really cool. now seems silly
1: mm-hmm.
0: at, at for a new comment this is okay have i never it.
1: told this story the i don't
0: think you've told this story
1: okay Let's hear it from your perspective. Okay. I think I've definitely mentioned on the podcast that when we were first married. I like didn't have a concept of time management, menu planning, making a grocery list for the whole week. So like you would get home from work and we shared a car. That's when we would decide what we wanted to eat and we would go to the store together. And by the time we got home, it would be like 8 or 8.30 and we were <sighs> starving and like, tired. We I we decided to splurge on a piece of salmon, like a nice piece of salmon, and this was like our most of our grocery budget for the week. <laughs> and we had like what the like electric the coil kind of stovetop, and I was ma- oh and okay, and I was making the fish right yeah I was making the fish, and it flipped. I I went to to move the fish or flip it. I don't remember exactly. I think I was making it on the stovetop right. I don't,
0: no you took it out. Oh, I
1: took it out of the oven. Yeah. And it fell, fish, the fish part fell onto the stovetop, like in between the coils. And...
0: So then you brought me in and you Yeah, I was hysteric.
1: I mean, I don't know if I was crying. I was probably like yelling. No, you were crying. I was crying. (laughs) And I just like, you know, the way I had learned it was that that's trafe. And now the fish is tray like the fish itself touched it straight out of the oven, completely hot. Make sure that like nobody should pass in based on this story. But I just felt like the most complete failure, like, I, I don't even remember thinking specifically I'm a failure. It was more like my life is over. <laughs> like this, I just can't do any of it. I can't do any of it. I probably was just really hungry, right? Like falling apart. Um... And you call, you were like, let's call a rabbi. And I was like, I don't want to hear what the rabbi says. It goes in the garbage. It's garbage. It's garbage. I ruined it. And you call the rabbi. And of course, one of these situations where the rabbi asks all these questions and you give the worst possible answer every time. Like, yep, yep, the fish touched it directly. Nope, we never cautioned that. Yep, we used the stove top for milk and meat. You know, yes, the fish was very hot. Everything is the wrong answer. And then the rabbi is like...
0: Totally kosher. Totally
1: fine. You can eat it.
0: And then what did you do with it?
1: And I threw it in the (laughs) (laughs) garbage. I threw it in the garbage. Even though it was totally kosher and fine, because my life was over. Who can eat fish? (laughs) (laughs) So So hormones, people.
0: What was yeah. amusing is I think that this type of thing happened a couple more times, but there's one story that you mentioned in passing. <laughs> you just know that a lot of these story. listeners
1: are like extremely refined, mature people that don't understand that kind of situation.
0: Okay, for you people, we're not those people. So get used <laughs> they, to it. You
1: just think all these thoughts in your head, but I actually did them as a movie, but... <laughs>
0: it was Amazing. But so then then my wife later made an amazing meal Moussaka. She made two pans of it.
1: Oh. Uh, incredible. I mean, the way to make this... Kosher like flayshigs is like extremely time consuming, and it was the big meal that I missed from starting to keep kosher. Like Greek yeah. food was like my comfort food. Oh, and, and of so course, then what, like the amount of ground beef in that thing. I mean, yeah. that might have been must have been yeah. so expensive.
0: Yeah, yeah. So what happened is that they were in tinfoil pans, but what was really sad is that i took out the first pan and i didn't know that pans like that are heavy will disposable pans disposable pans will like you know break in half as soon as you like hold them by one side so i i pulled it out and holding so collapsed and shot moussaka all over the oven and all over the floor and like yeah. it was 50 percent of the moussaka she had made yeah and Entire worked on like for all yeah the whole i thing. think
1: the reason, I don't know if you're up for this level of honesty, but you could edit it out if you want. But I think the reason it was so upsetting for me is because I like kind of have a recurring story about you that you just do things too fast. Right? And so it was like
0: Or never finish them, also.
1: Do I also have that story?
0: You didn't, at least. I mean
1: Yeah. But this was like too fast. Like you were, you were just you yeah, yeah. careful. You weren't like taking your time. And so then it's like this feeling of like I'm sharing this because I know other people relate to it. It's this feeling of insecurity. Like, I can't ask you to help.
0: Because I'm, I'm going to steamroll it. If
1: you're going to steamroll it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, like, now I'm stuck because I have to choose if I want my Mustafa on the floor or to do everything by myself. Like, that's not yeah. a good choice.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: And that's where most women come in and just try to change their husband.
0: But but the the reason I bring these things up now is that exactly what we're experiencing right now and being able to, like, laugh at it. And we both know. Like, I know she thinks I steamroll everything. <laughs> And that's okay because I do sometimes steamroll (laughs) stuff. And I know she sometimes flips out about completely meaningless stuff like fish, even if it's a lot of money. And and it's okay because she really cares. And what was amazing is that at the time when we were newlyweds, which, again, I don't recommend, you know, trying to be this like self-aware with. a spouse early on in marriage it takes a lot of of time to be able to have these conversations because they can be offensive if we had this conversation back then it would have been offensive but
1: hurtful or maybe yeah yeah
0: but what's amazing is that the fact that those things happened led to us being able to learn those things about each other and then become a couple that could work work with it
1: yeah yeah of course yeah like you wouldn't have been able to see it and it's almost good that they were such ridiculous stories because then it can kind of sum up this whole dynamic in yeah. a way that's, like, funny and, and like...
0: But, but did I stop yeah. steamrolling? No. And no. Did you stop flipping out about steam? No, but
1: now we both know that we do it. Exactly.
0: <laughs> no, but that's, that's the key, yeah. right? Is yeah.
1: that the circumstances
0: didn't change. It's just the approach, yeah. the way we think like about it. I'm them still,
1: changing. like, emotionally reactive.
0: And I'm still a steamroller. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs>
1: that's, that's
0: an incredible... That That's an incredible thing. No, that's what I want people to know is that like, okay, now you speak from a place and they know this from stories that you tell, but you speak from a place where we've learned the model and you've been able to apply it and we've been able to integrate a lot of Torah ideas also that teach about mindfulness and and self-awareness and self-regulation, motivating oneself, right? But but it doesn't mean that we're different people. It just means that we're the same people With a higher level of skill and and activating those ideas in the world.
1: Yeah. And I think that's actually, if it's okay for me to say this now, but like, I feel like that's why it mattered so much to me when I discovered the model and I discovered self coaching because I was really absorbing a lot of ideas about what marriage should be and how it should be, but I didn't know how to manage myself. And so I just sort of hated that part of myself instead of getting curious about it and, and learning to work with it. So hating it just makes it like stronger because I don't know that it's going to go away, you know, but now it's just sort of part of who I am and I don't think that's something I I chose. So it's just there. And so instead of wishing it wasn't there, I can like actually, I can work with it and I can, I can function and I can show up as the kind of wife and mom that I want to be despite my own little package that I was given
0: but i would also say that like those things can also be our greatest strengths like am i what's my steamrolling really useful for if you give me a list of stuff or are we yeah. need to like move packages or move you, oh, move a partner making aliyah.
1: how about making yeah. yeah,
0: it's just like bam bam, not, bam 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 yeah, yeah, yeah
1: for sure and in <laughs> so, your work i'm sure also like yeah. things get done you make sure that happens but that's only when i when and you're willing to move fast enough that sometimes things will fall apart sure. and break yeah exactly and sometimes that's important
0: So, but knowing it, right, can allow a person to operate from a place that lets them augment their approach so that there's not damage, they're not collateral damage damage all all across the way. Okay. So, that was the light side of the conversation. Oh, really? (laughs) For those of you that have made it this far, one thing I really wanted to also bring up that was on the more serious side is that early on, I think one thing we didn't know was a possibility that was that having kids could be a challenge. For it wasn't as much of a challenge as, as some Other of the people. people we know, but it, it was that the first um, time we were expecting... The first two pregnancies were... The first two pregnancies were very concerning. All pregnancies
1: were hard, but the first two were very concerning.
0: Yeah, and the first one... End, a miscarriage. Ended in a miscarriage. And um, I think that if we knew what we knew now
1: mm.
0: in terms of this work, that was a very jarring moment. Because we didn't know, I, I mean, I know from my perspective, we I didn't know if like, oh gosh, I didn't know this happened. I didn't know if there was like something that wasn't going to work and we weren't going to be able to have kids ever. Right. But also, I and don't was think it I It wasn't until had... we were
1: willing to tell people that it happened that we found out how common it was.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That was crazy. Which was a shame. That like so many people we know had miscarriages. And right. as soon as we started talking to them about it, we were able to get the support. But at that point, we didn't have support. We didn't know to talk to because we knew there
1: was a problem the whole time, so it wasn't after it wasn't after the fact that people knew, which in some ways was good because then we didn't have to go Sure tell anyone else that we didn't want to know, but in some ways it was hard because you had to make a decision to tell someone about a miscarriage when they didn't even know about a pregnancy.
0: Yeah, having known even the practical stuff, but also I don't think I had the tools for sure mm-hmm. of processing it just mentally either. Um, and the fact that like
1: Yeah, you, you caved. You went into the cave. Yeah? Hardcore. Yeah.
0: You were in the cave. What was that like? I
1: didn't experience your processing of it at all. You sort of just like turned into a soldier. (laughs) You know, and like wanted, I think, I, I mean, it was clear that there was something that needed to be taken care of and I needed to be taken care of, but I don't think we did a lot of processing the experience together at
0: the time. We didn't. Right. We really didn't
1: but i didn't know that you were taking care of me that was clear but i i i could easily see how if i had needed or felt that i needed or expected you to be more vocal about your processing of this and your experience of this um that would have been that could have been really hard i think it was fine for me because i didn't want to talk either but i could see how for another couple like if that was a different dynamic it could be really hard yeah i think i also at this point did know just that basic, like John Gray concept that men process deep, difficult things in a cave. I, I probably did that at didn't least have it. no meaning. Like, it showed me how important it was to you that you weren't talking about it, mm-hmm. that it wasn't easy for you to talk about. I think that's probably how I interpreted it. Yeah,
0: and I, I really do think, and this is kind of what inspired you anyway to, to create the business that you have was that all of those little things we had spent a ton of time i mean we spent our entire first year of marriage listening to marriage classes i don't think i learned any other torah but marriage right. sources like i remember sitting down with different marriage books and looking up the sources for those books as my learning that was like what i focused on because i wanted to just know it all and i feel like that's what we both were doing so every month we both
1: came in with this sounds like a bad thing but i think it was actually it served us is we both came in kind of with a sense of like we have no clue what we're doing yeah <laughs> We really don't know what we're doing. And and I could see how it's helpful for people to feel more confident because the, the lack of confidence was problematic, especially for me. But it, the benefit was that we were like, we're just going to figure it out. We're going to learn and we're going to do whatever it takes and we're going to troubleshoot. We're going to ask for help. I mean, we asked for help over anything, anything that came up. We would reach out for help if we couldn't figure it out. Yeah. So I think that that served us in a way. Yeah.
0: I also think that the, the tools that we were gaining over time continued, like in each pregnancy, in each challenge, continued to, to like evolve in terms of how we approached it, which I found really fascinating because if we jump to where we are today,
1: mm-hmm. so
0: different challenges in pregnancy because each time we had gestational diabetes, we had the fear of, you know, in terms of just health issues and complications... Jumping to today, uh, when we made Aliyah, I felt like it was a complete opposite experience than some of those early challenges because in that like I felt completely prepared to deal with it Mm -hmm. in that we knew that if we had an approach, if we knew how to work our minds, Uh, then we could choose whatever challenge it was to view it in a positive way or a negative way. When we first landed and we had our first, like the bank meeting took three hours Mm. and we had three kids that had to be watched and we were bringing the baby Mm. to sit with us in the meeting with the bank for three hours straight. People told us stories before we moved to Israel of how hard and how horrible all those challenges are and how everything's inefficient. But we did not have that experience and I don't think mm. that was because we were just lucky. It was because of the mindset we had going in. So I wanted you to talk about that a little bit. And then mm. I want to go back to other circumstances where I think this work would have helped. No, either would have helped or had helped significantly. Uh,
1: okay. Well, I will say that I think by the bank, I think we, there, there is like the alia high. There is just that like, which not everybody gets. But I think a lot of people do get that like, you're just walking on clouds in the beginning and like, I can't believe I'm here. This is amazing. Like, I'm davening shacharist and Eretz Israel. Well. This is unbelievable, right? It was easier with the bank, I think, because of that. But I also think we came in with a couple of things. One was I struggle with any... Anytime someone says something like Israeli bureaucracy is blah, 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 so hard or so difficult because it's by by definition, bureaucracy is difficult. There's no such thing as good, easy bureaucracy and different people in different countries deal with more or less. And if you're an immigrant, you deal with more bureaucracy. So most of us coming from the States or coming from North America or any Anglo country, um, you're not dealing with bureaucracy as an immigrant. You're not an immigrant. You were born in that country, Right. Um, you know, my mom had to deal with green card stuff. She's Canadian and married an American. She could have been like, oh, American bureaucracy, you know, you know, I, I guess a big piece of it for me was like, I just really am coming from the whole thing as a perspective on the one hand of we're immigrants. So we can't expect to understand the culture hundred percent. We can't expect to speak the language ever fluently. And that's, you know, when somebody, for whatever reason, I always think to like Russian immigrants in America. Maybe just because that's my, like, biggest point of reference. Like, they didn't come so that they could blend in. They came so their kids could blend in. They could came so their kids could get an American education. So same thing here. We want our kids to be able to have that. And we're kind of like taking one for the team, I think. I think it's better for us. I think our life is better here. Um, But I think that the expectation isn't that we should feel comfortable like this is our hometown. It's not. Okay. So that one helped a lot. So that
0: was like, that's like base level Kayla processing things. But then there was no, like, but I feel like so model level. Don't think level.
1: of it that way. Like they think that like Israel should just be
0: okay. I hear like that. America. But
1: then and it's like, so painful and frustrating know, to think you of it that way.
0: The, what you just described was like a very getting you to zero. From negative to zero. But we didn't come in. It wasn't just no. a high. We came in and there was a sustained level of in enjoying that decision that we had made and knowing that it was a decision and that we could have stayed. Okay, so i think a big
1: piece of it. Harvey Rolofsky talks a lot in his class about Aliyah, which we listen to many times. I'll try and link that in the comments in the, in the show notes if people want to hear both this and the Rabbi Tatshah.
0: It's my podcast. You will. I'll, I'll send you the
1: link so you can find it, or if you know where it is. Um, <laughs> and he talks about, like, just breaking down the the idea that hard is bad, right? And he compares that to when people come to a Shabbos table and they say, you have so many kids, but isn't that hard? And he's like, what does that question even mean, right? Like, yeah, it's hard. What's, what does that have to do with it? It's amazing to have this many kids, right? And I think same thing with here, that, like, I think we – internalize that and we weren't looking for this to be easy we weren't expecting it to be easy nobody is and that that's not the heart isn't bad but I also just I don't know maybe it was just our banker but it was aw- it was awesome well, this is what I'm looking I for mean, yeah. why was it awesome because <laughs> you were
0: so happy we we sat in the bank for three hours He because and like walked every
1: out. time he's like he's like what do you think is the maximum you'll need in this, in this account or whatever? And we're like, this much. And he's like, okay, we're going to sign for this. But in the Shem, you're putting your pronouncement will grow and it'll be bigger. And we're like, amen. <laughs> we're like, it's like giving brachas for three hours straight about our money. Great. Yeah. I'm all for it. What do I need to be doing?
0: But that um, is exactly, yeah. that was the thing. I think that was the key to all of it. Because it's not that we were like a bunch of rosy-eyed balay tshuva, new immigrants to the country, right? Like, it was that we chose to do this with a positive attitude we knew it was going to be hard everybody told us all the hard stuff Mm -hmm. which was amazing because we We actually
1: had to start asking people to tell us anything good about it yeah (laughs) we got closer to making all yeah you just remind me but
0: but but what that allowed us to do was embrace the heart like we everybody said that one thing that was Mm -hmm. always in my head that you know, their first bank trip is the pilot trip to the bank because, you know, you're going to have to go yes, again to get helpful. anything done. Your first trip to this government office is your pilot trip. Everything's a pilot trip because, you know, and I just
1: had that right with like fixing one of our kids had their birth date wrong on all their Israeli documents. And so I was like, you know, at some point I was like, I'm just going to book the appointment. And you were like, well, how do you know it's going to get done? I was like, I don't. But if I if I go and I do the appointment, I'll know what the next step is. Turns out, important side note, America made the mistake on her visa <laughs> and passport and that uh, Israel. Now we have to go to the American Godlet. It's going to be great. But, you know, the, that the pilot the... trip idea, absolutely. Like, but
0: it was you walked into the building expecting to get nothing done. Yes. Yeah. And so you're smiling the whole time. But if you didn't do that, you'd walk into the building and you'd be upset. Because, because, yeah. uh, maybe I'm not going to get it done. Maybe this is going to, and you drag the kid around and whatever. But instead, you're you come in from a positive perspective. Rabbi Orloik t- taught us this in yeshiva, that what what simcha is, what happiness is, is not the end result. That's a different. That's joy, right? That's mm-hmm. sasam But in terms of what what happiness is, is an asset in the process that you know you're at least making progress. You're on the right path. It doesn't mean you're going to Mm -hmm. get there. Mm -hmm. It just means they're on the right path. And then you can have that thing with you. So I feel like that's what we have. This is also
1: something that comes up, like, when I coach people with chronic illness, like I have, you don't know that the next doctor's appointment is going to actually get you the answers that you need often. But if you know that the next doctor's appointment is the next step, you do know. You don't know how many steps there might be, but you know that the next this is the next step, and I'm taking that. And you can take satisfaction just in that feeling of, like, I'm doing the next thing, right? It took me a long time to learn, but it really helped. So
0: yeah, that piece, I feel like, is what I wish we had early on. The idea that the process, the journey, that process, the growth, all of those painful moments, that's where this, the simcha, that's where the happiness comes from. Mm-hmm. If If we had known that in all of those challenging moments... Then going through all of the challenges early in marriage that everybody has. We all know that early, early marriage is like one of the most challenging times because you're taking two opposites and putting them together and then expecting things to work out, right? Mm-hmm. But if you know that everywhere that you butt heads is the opportunity for growth, that's exactly where the magic comes from. That's where the greatness comes
1: from. We knew that intellectually.
0: I, I understand that, yeah. but we didn't act. We didn't operate from there. We didn't until yeah. much later. We 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 knew it. We heard it in Shirim, but then all of a sudden something clicked, and we started to just be, and embracing the ridiculous things that we had to mm-hmm. go through together, because if when we had gone through enough negative, we saw what it did for the relationship, that then we see a thing, and we're like, great, here's another one. We're going to crush that too.
1: Yeah, and I think that, the, you know, the operative word in that is we. And I think that that's something that that is what's developed in the beginning of the marriage is like you start to see this as, you know, yeah. one of my clients shared this with me because I don't, <laughs> she had such a better example or, or metaphor for this than, than what I had, which is you imagine yourself and your spouse on one side of a boardroom table and the problem is yeah. on the other side. I always had like us like back to back in a war like hand to hand combat. <laughs> it's like, I don't want to be at war with the world. Um, you know, but like, I, I think that that, that feeling is something that takes a lot of work and some couples can accomplish that in Shona Shona and some couples think it takes a lot longer. Um, and so I think that that, that was a piece of it all. So I think because we were so newly married by the miscarriage we were both still very much in our own islands in a way experiencing it. What do you think it takes
0: to become the we?
1: You asked that like such a interviewy way. Yeah, I thought it was good um, cool too. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen to my last episode, Marriage Check-In. That would be the first step. Um, yeah, I mean... We often, we meaning people, not you and I, hear the voice of the worried lower brain that's trying to protect us. And it's heartbreaking, the things that it tells us, like, he doesn't really love you or you're not good enough or you're not going to make it or or later on, just you're not going to get what you need from this relationship. You're not getting the kind of love or he doesn't care. He doesn't, you're not his priority, any of those types of things. And we don't because because they seem so they hit us in the gut and they're so painful. We think they're right, and then we just mull them over in our head and we chew on them and we look at them from every different perspective and we, we we hold the microphone up to them, and, and I think that's one of the things that I see most often is people confusing what's coming from their lower brain, which is just a part of you that's trying to protect you and keep you safe, so it worries by by definition, and and consciously using your your upper brain your higher brain to decide on purpose what your relationship is to decide on purpose what to think about things to decide on purpose you know what you want to create and then how you need to be looking at a problem to create that but i think that that, that first piece is really the main piece of just under like not every thought and, and i think a big piece of this was also just under like learning about mindfulness and meditation of this idea of like you can have a thought and not attach yourself to it. You can have a thought and just watch it happen and let it continue. I think I didn't actually, maybe this is embarrassing, didn't really see how that came together with coaching for a while, but I was doing both of them. That ability of saying, okay, I just had a thought. It was very painful, but that doesn't mean it's true. That doesn't, that's not like my inner knowledge speaking. It's just a thought and now I can use my, my upper brain and I can examine it and decide if it's true or not, what I want to do with it, if it's helping me, if there's a different way I could look at this, it's like a little bit more productive. And so it's the same thing with the relationship. Like I think if you leave the question of your marriage to your lower brain, it's going to tell you all the reasons it's not so secure because it wants to protect you. And if you decide what to think about it, and I don't mean to just choose something that's unbelievable, like we have the best marriage in the world. If you're really struggling, but you know, I I it could be a thought like I choose to learn something new about him every day, or I choose to to use this relationship to grow as a person, or whatever. Something that's believable, but is more empowering. Then I think that can switch a person from into the we curiosity. I think is maybe the biggest thing curiosity about your spouse.
0: Can I add something I learned from? Mm-hmm. So I learned from this what? from your notes on Derech Hashem. Oh, really? Because our copy of Derech Hashem is filled with all the notes that you took in seminary, mm-hmm. seminary, which I, which is amazing. I
1: wish I could shout out the teacher, but I don't remember who taught that class. <laughs> MRC girls, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> what was it,
0: what was amazing is that it was talking about how you know God made angels perfect, and if He wanted people to be perfect, then then He would have made us angels. Yeah. But he didn't. He made us that we would make mistakes. Yeah, And so I, I learned from that section of, of, of Dera Hashem and other things I've heard you say, that if, if the definition is we were meant to make mistakes, then our free will, our, our only choice, what really makes us human and what really makes us different is our ability to choose how we react to the mistake. That's really where the free will exists. It's not whether we're going to make the mistake in the first place. Maybe we have a choice about that. But we were built to make mistakes. But we were also built to be able to either fail or succeed in responding to those mistakes. And that is where I feel like the thread throughout our marriage and your life in particular has taught me a ton is that the mistakes and the the negative experiences and and the uh, miscarriage or type 1 diabetes right mm-hmm. all of these bad quote unquote situations were actually unemployed opportunities in the first three. yeah being unemployed
1: both of us for a really long
0: time <laughs> having no money like all of these things yeah. were were opportunities for greatness why because if everything had been perfect if we had you know, both had jobs and both had money and we had an easy time having kids and all the kids, you know, never needed any type of extra support or we didn't, we were already in Israel so we didn't have to make aliyah or we never made aliyah so there was no challenges there. Mm-hmm. All of the things, everything worked out everything was smooth. We never even had to like work with each other on challenges because we just always got along. So it would be extremely boring and it wouldn't have bonded us. I'm serious.
1: Yeah.
0: And what made it that we have a strong marriage is that when we what I think it takes to become the we was that when we had those challenges, we used them as opportunities to get closer to each other. And I think that's what early on we didn't do as much, which you were describing earlier. And later we saw them as like, ah oh, we get to do this
1: together. And it, yeah, it, when you say that, it reminds me, I think that like if you were to sum up most of my thoughts in the beginning of our marriage, they would be like a lot under the broad category of, I don't know if he really likes me. And then I think they just switched to like, I really like him. <laughs> right. Meaning like when our thoughts are about ourselves and trying to figure out how people think about us, it just creates a lot of anxiety and insecurity. And I mean, I see this with like again with a lot of clients. And so instead of just thinking like they like people will tell you in like these self-confidence things just to decide they all do like you. And I'm like, no, <laughs> like no, it doesn't. That doesn't work for some of us, you know, if it does, great, go for it. But instead of just deciding everyone likes you, just think like how much you like them. And I don't think that I did that intentionally. I really do like you. But I think just like allowing myself to just spend my time there instead yeah. of trying to analyze what's going on in your head is definitely like. B- brought that meaning that then when we would experience a challenge I wanted that challenge to bring us closer together because well I like you so I want to spend time with you and I want to understand you and yeah
0: but you also can take like the most simple small challenge and do it and just it's done and it's over or you can take it and you can elevate it mm-hmm. this is what I learned from like Rabbi Greenblatt when he came to Atlanta yeah. taking out the garbage oh, yeah. did you know that came from him? I
1: forgot
0: so what happens every time we have the garbage? I don't know if that would
1: be- it's definitely not I'm <laughs> just kidding <laughs> <laughs> when you see me taking out the garbage you will like swoop down in front of me ladies you can play this clip for your husband <laughs> and say this is beneath you and then wrap it up and take it out
0: yeah because you know. why
1: but then I do my coaching on myself when you you know have left for, for work
0: and you and have to take out the garbage
1: the whole kitchen stinks And
0: but, but why why because it's dumb it's the garbage and the garbage is the, is the number one thing that like oh he take out the garbage on your way out. Don't forget to take it, right? It always happens that the husband's being asked to take out the garbage and the wife, like does, he doesn't do it, then she has to do it. But if you turn that moment into something that's like romantic, even though it's about garbage mm. and you just try to give to the other person in that moment, or a lot of the times where you would make me lunch for work, which already was above and beyond because nobody I worked with had their wife make them lunch for work. But then inside the lunch, there was some cute note I felt like, a you know, a kid in school and uh, and my coworkers all made fun of me. But it was those moments of like, it doesn't matter what else was going on. It was just showing that I'm going to operate in an abnormal level and invest in this thing, even if I'm not going to get it in return, because I'm going to show you that that's where I'm coming from. And you weren't worried where I was coming from in return. It wasn't as a response, like a tit for tat. Yeah, man. It was just i that's that's where I felt like the we came from. I knew you were like, I don't care how you act, this isn't about you, this is about what I'm bringing to the table, yeah, and then I could respond and, and learn from
1: also that. like it feels wonderful to feel loved, but it also feels wonderful to feel loving, and so like I think we get very focused on like I need him to act a certain way so I can feel loved, but you know, I don't like packing lunches, you know that <laughs> like doing that, and that's why it doesn't happen that regularly but the times that I did it, it's a very nice feeling to feel like you're, you're doing something extra for someone and you're sending them something. So not that we do everything just because it feels good, but it's good to remember that like, it's, uh, it's still a nice feeling. It doesn't have to feel like martyrdom and sacrifice. Like it's a nice, and and you can always feel the feeling of loving someone, no matter how they're acting. That's always available. Yeah. Yeah. We have to give a shout out also, just in terms of what you were saying with the, perfection and, and making mistakes Emanuel Bernstein's book on teshuva is like has an amazing amazing opening all about that that everyone should read yeah okay Google there's that plug we don't make commission we don't make commission we should sure. make commission Mosaic <laughs> Press please contact us we would like to make commission
0: <laughs> okay that is all for this week next week I'm really excited because the conversation gets a lot more into the specific work a lot of the material If you had taken the six-week first-year married course or if you've worked directly with Kayla or if you've listened to these episodes and learned how to use the model, the self-coaching model, you'll recognize a lot of what we'll be talking about and really digging into what this work has done for Kayla and for myself uh, over our early marriage and even up until today can't wait to bring it to you. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.